0: Christchurch, New Malden, 2nd of February 2020, 9.30 service. Stephen Kurt speaking on 2020 Vision, a church that cares for lonely people. Well this morning we're thinking about being a church that cares for people that are lonely and so what we're going to do is start off with a little quiz about loneliness and uh, there are going to be questions that come up on the uh, screen and there are three answers that come up only one of which is right and you've got to guess which one is the correct one. So let's have the first question. Loneliness, living alone, and poor social connections, not being really uh, connected with many people at all around you, they are as bad for your health, those things, as smoking how many cigarettes a day? Apologies to smokers here, Uh, you know, don't want to uh, demonize that too much, but is it five cigarettes, 10 cigarettes, or 15? Okay, put up your hand. If you think being lonely, living alone, or poor social connections are as bad for your health as smoking five cigarettes a day, put up your hand. Okay, a few votes for that. Put up your hand if you think it's 10. Okay, that is a majority, I think. Put up your hand if it's 15. Oh, no, that's, well, mate, it's marginal. We might have to go to a recount. Okay, the answer is 15. Okay, isn't it amazing? I don't know about you, but when I read that, I thought, Wow. That's, that's quite a lot, 20 cigarettes in a packet, I think. I'm not speaking from too much knowledge myself. Um, but 15 cigarettes a day, uh, bad for your health, but loneliness, living alone, poor social connections, that is the equivalent, okay? Really makes you think, doesn't it? On to a second question. Loneliness is likely to increase your risk of death, sorry to sound a bit morbid, By how much? Is it A, 19%? B, 29%? Or C, 39%? Now have a think about that. Okay, what do you reckon? Put up your hand if you think it's A, 19%. Put up your hand if you think it's B, 29%. Put up your hand if you think it's C, 39%. The answer is 29%. I think most of you got that right. Perhaps you Googled it on the way to church this morning, thinking i better, you know, revise a bit. You know, that's good that you're preparing for the sermon in that way. I'm impressed. Okay, third question. How many older people in this country go at least five to six days a week without speaking to anyone? Okay, quarter of a million, half a million, or three quarters of a million? I mean, anyway, any way, it's shocking, isn't it? But... What do you reckon it is? The people, the older people in this country who go at least five to six days a week, that's virtually all of the week, without speaking to anyone. Presumably they might speak to one or maybe at most two people in the whole of the week. Uh, Is it a quarter of a million? Put up your hand if you think it's that. Put up your hand if you think it's half a million? Three quarters of a million. Okay, the answer actually is half a million. Well that is a lot of people, isn't it? A vast amount of people, older people in this country, uh, perhaps once uh, they had more connectivity, once perhaps more family, but they've ended up in a situation where for the vast majority of the week, they don't actually speak to anyone. Now, it might be that shopkeepers or people serving them, it doesn't quite include that. But in terms of genuine connection, uh, that is a vast amount of people. Question four. How many people in the UK across all ages are always or often lonely? Is it A, six million, B, nine million, or C, 11 million? Now our population I think is about 65 million now as a country, and uh, so all of these uh, amounts are big, but put up your hand if you think it's six million, nine million, or 11, and the answer is nine million. Okay, so nine million out of a population of 65 million are always, are often lonely. Loneliness clearly is a very big uh, problem, very big issue. Question five. What percentage, this is a really interesting one. What percentage of parents report feeling lonely? Now you might think parents, they've got children, uh, whether they're grown up or whether they're young, parents are the last people who are gonna feel lonely, Perhaps they've almost got the opposite problem. They've got too much of people being with them. But let's look at the uh, possibilities. 14%, 18% or 24%. Put up your hand if you think it's 14. 18, 24. The answer actually is 24%. 24% of parents report feeling lonely. It's a very significant figure. Okay, next one. What proportion of older people in the UK say TV is their major company? A, two-fifths, B, three-fifths, or C, four-fifths? Put up your hand for A, B, or C. The answer is two-fifths. And uh, I think we've got a final question. What percentage of disabled people will feel lonely on any given day? Is it A, 15%, B, 25% or C, 50%? Put up your hand if you think it's A. B or C? And look at the answer. 50% of disabled people uh, report that they feel lonely on any given day. So we can see from those stats that loneliness is a really big issue. And that shouldn't surprise us because we've heard about it in the news. It's so important that government is trying to tackle it as well. There's actually, I think, a junior minister in charge of it. And it's why we're having this sermon series. Basically, throughout January and February, we're having a sermon series called 2020 Vision, A Church That Cares. And each different week, we've been thinking about a different way in which God is calling us to be a church that cares. We've thought about all sorts of things so far. We're gonna think about more issues in the coming weeks. We'll have a special week where we'll think about mental health uh, issues. But this morning, we're particularly thinking a church that cares for people who are lonely. And this is something that we really want to do as well as possible as a church. We're doing quite a lot of stuff at the moment, but we want to get better and better at this. And we particularly wanna make sure that people who are lonely don't fall through the net so there may be people who are relatively well-known who when they're lonely, they get plenty of help. But we want to be a church that rolls this out for as many people as possible. So a question, which I want you, you may not be used to doing this in church, uh, but turn around and with the people around you, some of you will know uh, quite a bit about this church, be regular members here, but this should be a question that anyone can think about. What things might make it hard for us as a church to care better for lonely people? Just turn around to the people around you, chat for a few moments. I'll come around and pick on a few people in a moment, but I won't pick on anyone who doesn't want to say anything. So turn around and discuss with the people around you what things might make this difficult. It's fine to have the aspiration, it's fine to have the desire, what things might make it tricky. Right, okay, I want some answers, okay. What things, it's fine being a church, it's good being a church that wants to make a difference here, that wants to help people who are lonely, but what things might make that quite tricky, might not make it easy? Nathan, our youth minister, has got his hand up. Just the busyness of people's lives. But what, the business of our lives? The ones, yeah, yeah. Or, the, or the perceived busyness of our yep, lives. There's a lot of business going on, isn't there? People rushing around everywhere trying to get stuff done. That can make it very difficult to actually be in a position to care for people who are lonely. Good point from Nathan. Any other points? Katie Kurt, the vicar's wife, has got something to say.
1: Um, I think we've got a strong desire here to help people who are lonely. Uh, we, I've set up a cafe with other people to try and reach those people. But the big issue is obviously people are too uh, worried about coming out of their homes. And that's another issue is that people are lonely in their homes, but that makes them very nervous and anxious about leaving
0: their front doors. So if we manage to to get people here to, for instance, the cafe, we can make a good fist of trying to respond to loneliness. But a lot of people who are lonely are stuck within their houses and it's difficult, not impossible necessarily, but difficult to think of ways that we can respond to those people's loneliness if they stay within their house most, most of the time. Yeah, any other any other points? Yeah, Annabelle.
1: Get them to talk to us.
0: Get them to talk. Okay, well this is an answer, isn't it? Yeah, get them to talk. How do we, how do we go about doing that? And then Annabelle, what, any suggestions? No. Yeah but, yeah, but it's a good point. We do need to get people to talk, don't we? Uh, but it is a tricky thing to actually get people to the stage perhaps where they feel confident enough to talk or they feel, um, yeah. Okay, Ali. I, I just wanted to say that I agree with Annabelle. It's very hard
1: sometimes to find um, a common connection or a conversation a topic where yeah. you can connect and talk to the yeah. talk to people. So, yeah. um, icebreakers are a good thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. To actually get that conversation to the point where it really becomes meaningful and helpful to that person can be really tricky. So even if we do sort of get to a situation where uh, we as a church can sort of make connection with people who are lonely then actually getting those conversations to a point where they really do help that person that can be quite tricky any any reasons why anything to do with loneliness that might make it tricky for people to actually access that help does anyone think about that at all any uh, any thoughts on that or any other thoughts at all Quite often, it is very, very difficult for someone who is lonely to know where to start in actually getting um, the sort of antidote to that. So, you know, if people who were lonely had a really clear idea, well, I just need this, and I need this, and I need this, it would make it quite, easier to, uh, quite a lot easier to get those things. But we're dealing with something really quite complex here, and uh, something which perhaps creeps up on people as well. People won't necessarily recognize that they're lonely until quite a a long way into that sort of process that's made them lonely. So there are all sorts of reasons why this actually is quite a tricky issue for us to respond to as a church. It's something that we really want to get much better at, but it's something that really is quite complex, and we need to really think through uh, the things that we need to do to respond to this as an issue. Now, we had a Bible reading earlier from the story of Elijah. And it's quite a famous passage, Elijah uh, in that passage is encountered by God, and he talks about the fact that he's lonely. He feels completely alone and abandoned. And I thought we could think a bit about this morning, uh, that passage and what we learn from it. So the story is God responding to the prophet Elijah, when Elijah feels completely lonely and abandoned. And uh, in the story, Everything seems to have gone wrong for Elijah. So this prophet is called by God to turn the people of Israel away from the worship of Baal, uh, this horrible, dehumanizing idol that had all sorts of terrible effects on people's lives. Elijah's called to turn the people away from that and back to God. And he has quite a lot of success. But as a result of what he does, the king's wife, Jezebel, who's a devout worshiper of Baal, then wants to have him killed. And Elijah, after this great success, perhaps he expects to be on cloud nine and for everything to go really well, but it's the opposite. He has to flee for his life and he feels completely abandoned and alone. And in the story that follows, we see God doing at least three things for Elijah in response to him that I think we can learn from as we seek to be a church that cares more effectively for people who are lonely. And the first thing is this. What we see in the story is that God provides for Elijah's physical needs through food, drink and rest. It's pretty much the first thing we see God doing for Elijah in the story. Elijah is totally exhausted, he's had enough, he wants to die and God in the story sends an angel who not only tells him to eat but provides him with food and drink in order to do so. And there it is in the picture. We're not sure that angels do look like that but that's the artist's attempt to put it into a painting. Now, not all of Elijah's problems at that point instantly disappear. But Elijah is strengthened to be able to respond to the problems that he's facing. And This actually happens twice. The angel comes to him twice and tells him to eat and drink, to give himself enough strength for the journey. And Elijah then travels 40 days and nights to meet with God. But that attention to the physical needs of food and drink and rest is really worth us thinking about when we're seeking to be a church that responds better to people who are lonely. Words are quite often important. But actually, perhaps the most important thing that we can do in the first instance to communicate God's care to people who are lonely is by attending to their physical needs. We were saying earlier it might be quite difficult to know what to say to someone who's lonely, how to make that connection with people. Sometimes it's the provision of things that we might think are quite simple, like food and drink, that actually make that connection really become established and prepare the way for the words that might make a difference that follow. And that's why so many of the outreach events at this church surround food. It's no coincidence that a lot of the ways in which at this church we're trying to care for people revolve around a meal. So Grapevine, there it is. Grapevine's our lunch club. It's been going 12 years. It meets on the first Sunday of the month. Later on, on this Sunday at 1 o'clock, around about 50 to 60 people will come in. And there they are in the photographs. And they love coming to this church. They love it so much that on Tuesday we're starting a service called the Grapevine Service, for people who come here to Grapevine. And what they get when they come is they get a meal, uh, they get really good food, a lot of time has been spent cooking that meal. Saturday morning, a lot of you turn up and help to uh, cook that meal and get it ready. And those who come, whole mixture of people with very different sort of life experiences, but what that experience does, of people coming along to Grapevine, we'll get onto that in a sec, but when people come onto Grapevine, come along to Grapevine, what they experience is a welcome based around, in the first instance, attending to the physical needs of providing a really good meal and really good company. Now, Grapevine is a vital part of this church. When we started Grapevine, we did it because we didn't want this church just to be full of middle-class people. We wanted it to be a church that really does step over the social boundaries that so often divide people and particularly to reach out to people who might be more marginalised by society. But Grapevine is crucial to what we're doing as a church, and we actually do need more helpers for it. Sarah Parker, who's run Grapevine for the last 12 years, she said to me just yesterday, we need loads more volunteers, we need more people to help. So people can help on Saturday, preparing food on the first Saturday of the month, but what we particularly need helpers for is to come along to Grapevine on a Sunday at one o'clock, be part of serving the food, and crucially, sitting down and chatting to the guests that come. So if you think you can be part of that, if you want to help, have a word with me or with Sarah Parker. But you know, it's not just as a church that we can do this. We can do this in our own lives as well. In our lives, our everyday lives, maybe at work, maybe wherever it is, we will meet people who are lonely. And we can make a big difference when we invite them round, perhaps to our house for a meal, or perhaps in a more low-key way, where we just meet up with them for a cup of coffee, or a tea, or we take them out for a drink somewhere. It's amazing how often you hear people saying, do you fancy coming round for a cuppa? When what they really mean is, do you fancy coming round for a chat? They don't mean, you know, come round because there's this lovely tea that you must taste. <laughs> what they mean is, come around so we can have a good chat, so we can chew the cud together, so we can talk. That's what it's all about. But the drink in that case, the cup of tea, is what's sort of facilitating it. So sharing a bit of food and drink is often very, one of the very best ways in which we can communicate to people that they're not alone, that we want to be alongside them, that we want to be responding to them and making them less lonely. So that's one of the things that we learn, I think, from this passage. But another thing is this, what we see in this passage, and with God's response to Elijah, and I think we've got to pick up on this as well, is allowing the expression of feelings. This is a vital part of responding to loneliness. After the food and drink that God supplies, Elijah makes his way to Mount Horeb. This is the special place of God's presence, where Moses received the Ten Commandments, and I wonder if any of you were really concentrating like mad during the Bible reading that Diana gave and noticed something odd about it. Did anyone I'll be very, very impressed if anyone noticed this did anyone notice something odd about the passage that Diana read? Diana, did you notice something odd apart from the difficult names to pronounce? Did you notice where well, there was one bit that was repeated? word for word? Yep? Verse 10 and verse 14, and Diana's trying to pretend she knows now. These were the words that were repeated in the passage. Elijah says them twice, exactly word for word. He says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And those exact words occur twice in this passage. Now, people have debated why they're in there twice. What most people think is that a scribe copying it out lost his concentration and copied the words twice. And that may well be true. But the fact that those words are in there twice, that they're repeated, actually, I think, serves to make the point that actually, as well as providing food and drink and rest for Elijah, God provided the opportunity for Elijah to express exactly how he felt. And when we look at those words that Elijah spoke, we can see that he was able to say that he felt thoroughly let down. He tried everything possible and he felt completely abandoned and alone and he felt that God had more or less abandoned him as well. And God was big enough to take it. God allowed Elijah to say those things. And Elijah being able to express these feelings is an important part of Of God responding to his needs and it's something that we can learn from as well. If we simply try and help people who are lonely and we don't give them the opportunity to express how they feel and be listened to, then we probably won't end up uh, helping them at all, will we? What we've got to do is create safe spaces where people who are lonely can come and be listened to. It's a really vital part of responding to loneliness. Those people who we saw earlier who don't see anyone for five to six days a week, who have they got to listen to the things that they're upset about or the things indeed that they're excited about, the good news that they've got as well as the bad news? Who have they got to listen to those things? Well, it looks like no one. And that's precisely why at this church we've started that community cafe. On Monday and Tuesday mornings from 10.30 through to 12 that's why we've got the cafe here at Christchurch and the idea is that well anyone at all who wants to talk but particularly those people who are lonely can come along and they can find someone to chat to not just to share bad news with necessarily perhaps to share good news to share anything at all we want to be a church that makes a difference to people who are lonely and providing people who have got the time in this busy world to stop and to listen and to hear what people are saying is crucial. And it's why we're having the uh, Time to Change Time to Talk Day on Thursday. I'm going to come across to Katie Kurt now. And uh, Katie, um, why are we doing this? What do we, what do we want people to experience when they come to this? Just stand up and just talk to everyone.
1: Um, it is exactly what Stephen said more than anything else, a safe place to come. Uh, with friendly people there. We have a group of trained listeners in our church who um, we are providing something unique, a place where people can just talk about anything they want to, their grandchildren, anything going on in their lives, how they want to move jobs or there are issues with their children, but it's mainly just a chat and we want them to be able to safely be able to express any thoughts and feelings they might have.
0: Now, why did the tr- why did the listeners need training? Because you know, all of us can listen. We've all got ears, haven't we? Unless we're struggling with our hearing. Why would all these people? I think it was six. Was it three Saturday mornings?
1: Uh, it was uh, three or four sessions. Three actually. or four. With so,
0: why were these people trained, and, and what did that involve? And what makes someone into a good listener?
1: Uh, Basically, we're training into something called active listening. I've always thought I was quite good, but I did realize during the course that I have that big desire to fix people's problems. And it's actually training you to allow people to actually find their own answers. So you're allowing them to express their thoughts, and sometimes it's only when they start talking with your encouragement that they suddenly realize, actually, there's another issue in my life, is actually bothering me. Um, And you're just helping them to express what's deep inside.
0: Okay, so this Thursday, if you're free, or it might be that you're out at work or whatever, but it might be there's someone you know who you could direct to this, it's going to be in the lounge, and people can come along for tea and biscuits and be listened to. Oh, yep, she wants to say a bit more. Once you set her off, she can't stop.
1: Uh, We've been talking a lot about how it's actually difficult to start the conversation. My vision for the cafe and this uh, event is that we at church would get together and actually bring people with us. If we're at home during that time, actually bring them with us.
0: Yeah, very often actually if you send someone, it's a bit intimidating, isn't it? If someone can actually bring someone along... And we've got these listeners here. Barbara's trained as a listener. Carol, you're a listener as well, aren't you? Just completed the training yesterday, I think, didn't you? And so we've got a lot of people uh, here at Christchurch really committed to trying to make a difference here. And what we need to do as a church is get behind it. Not all of us can train to be listeners, but we can all be people who get behind the cafe and behind this event and give it our support, perhaps pray for it, and direct people there as well. And then finally, what do we see Uh, God doing with Elijah? Okay, well basically what we see, uh, and that's actually, I was going to say, if you just go back to that one actually, Andrew, it's something we can do ourselves as well. Uh, It's something where we can perhaps, uh, you know, at work or in our everyday life, we don't have to do it in an organised setting through Christchurch, perhaps there are people we work alongside. When I was a school teacher, there were people who I worked with every day who actually uh, at lunchtime or at break time, or when we had a free period together to have a conversation where they could talk about their feelings, seemed to make a massive difference. And uh, after sort of 40 minutes of chatting, uh, they would say they felt so much better. It wasn't because we'd found a solution to what they were struggling with, but it was because they had the opportunity to share their problems and be listened to, and it somehow made a difference. But a third thing we see God doing in this passage is providing for Elijah an appropriate way of experiencing God's presence. So after Elijah said how abandoned and alone he feels, we see God coming to Elijah, and uh, it's not in an earthquake, it's not in wind, it's not in fire, the passage tells us it's in a soft, still voice, or in our version it said a gentle whisper. When someone's feeling abandoned and lonely, that's probably the way they need to experience God, isn't it? Rather than to loud and enthusiastic response to their loneliness, which might be the most natural way I'd approach it, what they normally need is someone coming gently alongside them. Someone coming alongside them who will allow them to experience God's loving presence. And the truth is that very often the best people at helping people who are lonely aren't the noisy extroverts, it's the people who are quieter and able to combine the provision of company, being there for that person, with giving them the space to experience God's presence. And that's what we hope will really happen more and more through this church. Through things like the Time to Talk on Thursday, through the community cafe, through Grapevine, through our night shelter that we're beginning, uh, uh, beginning this Thursday for people who are homeless, for our widows group, half shares that meets monthly on a Tuesday, for all of our groups really, what we're hoping is that people who experience the company and the friendship that enables to hear that soft, still voice from God assuring them of his presence. Very often the way that people most easily experience God's presence is being told that they're valuable to God and that they're not abandoned because they can experience being part of God's family and that then embodies to them God's message, his gentle presence alongside them. Now at the end of this story, there's the night shelter, there's some of us playing giant Jenga with those uh, who came to the night shelter. The night shelter is a crucial way of not just giving people somewhere warm to sleep for the night, not just giving people a really good meal, but actually by playing giant Jenga together, by having a bit of fun, that is perhaps responding to a deeper need than anything else which is isolation and loneliness so there are some of us playing giant jenga if you're any good at that sign up for the night shelter and uh, see if you can uh, see if you can win at it but we do need more volunteers for all of these things at Christchurch. there's always more that we can do but God has called us to do what we can And at the very beginning of the Bible, God creates a world which is good. If you read Genesis chapter one, right at the start of the Bible, you see again and again, God saying that the world is good. And from that point, God intended it to grow into the most perfect thing possible. And of course, fairly soon, it gets spoilt by sin, by human sin. But even before that, there is something that's not good about the original creation. So God creates a world, he calls it good, but there's something that isn't good until God does something about it. And uh, let's go on to the next slide. Okay, after that, God says it's not good for the man to be alone. Now, that's not just talking about the creation of woman, uh, important though that is. It's important as well because it's about the company, which as we saw from those statistics earlier, everyone needs to have. If we're going to have the fullness of life that God intends for us, we need the company of other people. We simply aren't built to be by ourselves. We're not built to be alone. If you've ever seen the film about a boy starring Hugh Grant, that is eloquent witness to the fact that human beings were not built to be in isolation, to be on their own. We need company. We need community. And churches are brilliantly placed to be able to do something about this. We've got the people, we've got the buildings, we've got the resources. In our case, thankfully, we've got enough financial resources to do this as well. So let's be determined during 2020 uh, to be a church that cares in all sorts of ways, but let's be determined to be a church that cares for people who are lonely.